Caps Lock Emotions with Jimmy Evans and Ian Campbell. So you don't want to... What, what about the... Well, it's the sound design you said? It's the sound design that makes me feel particularly uncomfortable, I yeah. think. Because it's... I mean, the visual doesn't help, but the visual... I try to be sneaky, so the... The visual is often so far away that I can't really tell what's going on, you know? Are you, like, your sniper sneaky? Are you like yeah, like, I, I use the bow. That's, like, medium range, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Or And I got, like, a sniper thing. And uh, I try to avoid conflict at whatever, at a, at a, yeah. wh- whenever possible. And so it's not the visuals. It's not, it's not seeing the blood come out of the person's head or the... Uh, the, uh, their body collapse, their bones break, or whatever, their yeah, head explodes. Yeah, like, it's yeah. not that, because I usually don't see that. Um, it's the sound of hearing them get hurt, or it's the sound of bullets, I honestly, I think is, like, very jarring and uh, difficult to hear. Yeah. It makes me feel bad. It's gross. Yeah. I When I wrote that thing about Call of Duty, mm-hmm. I, don't know how I, f- I don't know how I came to this quote, but well, I was thinking about because the Nazi zombies are disgusting in that game because they have like super amazing graphics or whatever. They really committed to making it horrible. I are they the, the kind of zombies that are rotting like you see parts yeah, falling off? Yeah, they're just like gross. They just tried to make them scary. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I came zombies, up with Zombies, sorry. Zombies that? in Call of Duty are made by aliens, right? That's the backstory? I have no idea. Or is it Nazi I, man? There has been aliens. Yeah. But I think they were alien zombies. It was a separate okay. thing. I think, yeah. I think this had to do with uh, the devil. Because, you know, hell exists in Call of Duty. I forgot. Yes, hell does exist. Um, I think it was some demon stuff. But there's no heaven. There's no heaven in Call yeah. of Duty. Um, they, oh, hey, did you, you know, the Pope said there's no hell. Wow. We don't know if he said that. Because the Vatican, <laughs> re- Vatican released a statement, like, five seconds after, like, everyone just heard him. <laughs> We haven't scientifically proven yeah, yeah. that there's no hell. Yeah, so... I, I, yeah, I don't know what the full story on that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, the zombies are gross, and I found this thing. It was a guy, a developer on a Dead Space, talking about... Also a gross game. A gross game. Mm-hmm. How they had to, like, go through, like, like, photos of car accidents to animate the bodies of the creatures i don't know if you've seen dead space or played dead space but mm-hmm. there is like a lot of creatures that are just like human bodies just like horribly yeah, yeah, twist, like right? just so horribly twisted yeah you know? it's, uh, it's terrible but i mean then it's like this is a job that we have where like some guy some artist had to like go through reference photos of destroyed people and anyways i don't know well he didn't have to he didn't have to but, but there is him. there is there is that idea right of like a truly scary thing is a mixture of familiar and unfamiliar. Oh, I haven't heard that. Well, I, no, I don't know if it's a saying. I'm not, I'm not going to say oh. it's a saying, but like, is, is but it, logically it makes sense of like, you need a little bit of familiar because it has to feel like, oh, this could happen to me. Like this could, my next door neighbor could be a horrible car wreck alien monster yeah. from Dead Space or whatever, but it has to be unfamiliar in a way that's unsettling. You mm-hmm. know? Like I've never seen anything like this this seems impossible yet, yet here it is yeah. and it's like the fusion of those two things that causes fear and discomfort you know so like there's an argument that like maybe he didn't have to make it so familiar like he could have 
pick something more uh, abstract or whatever. Right. Why are the dead space zombies? Yeah. Like people like. Yeah, or why are the why are the Call of Duty? Why do they look like decaying corpses? Like they could look like any. Anything. I. I mean, it's probably because it's attached to the zombie existing zombie mythology, and also yeah. they're indebted to. The you know fifty other times that they've done that in that game series mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. but. And the first time was just like a fun little. It was a little bonus thing. Thing, yeah. And there was a theory for a long time that they were going to break that off, that it was going to be its own product. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the multiplayer stuff in general was going to be its own product, because it is the reason people play. Yeah. You know? um, but that has yet to happen. It only happened in China. Oh, they have their own nuts. Yeah. Is there's a there's a version of Call of Duty that's online that's like uh, an MMO almost in China that uh like say a fusion of like the multiplayer and like a more open worldy kind of like there's a hub kind of like in the World War Two one there's like a hub you go back to but then you do these multiplayer matches is this is this Call of Duty online did it come from the newest Call of Duty or is this like how long has this been a thing uh I think. At least five years. Wow. Something like that. It's a... Uh, there's a lot of games that use that model in China for whatever reason. I, I think in Asia, just in general, subscription service kind of games are more common just because uh, like varying degrees of internet are um, common because most people just use their cell phone, you know? They don't have like super fast internet at home or whatever because anytime they're using the internet, they're at work or... They're at like a cafe playing games or whatever, yeah. you know. And when they're at home, all they need is like enough to load a web page or you know watch a video or whatever. Um, so the idea of like online gaming has been abstracted away from the home in Asia, and thus easier to justify, I guess, paying getting a monthly. Or, yeah, because yeah. you could have a subscription to like a room in a cafe or whatever, or to use the internet at a, you know. Um, internet cafe like in Japan or whatever I don't know I don't yeah. know if that's the complete justification yeah but the reason I think about the uh, I think about the unfamiliar and familiar thing and like feeling gross in games I, I think the feeling I'm feeling when I'm talking about the new Far Cry game is too familiar or like too uh, realistic I mm-hmm. guess mm-hmm. Um, to the point where it's like fetishizing to some extent the realism you know um, but the, on the opposite side of that spectrum is the completely unfamiliar that like, you know, removes any, um, insistence on feeling like something I could find in real life and it just is unfamiliar, abstract, like I can't even comprehend mm-hmm. what that is. And that's like the Lovecraft thing. Yeah. Right. You know what I was also thinking about mm-hmm. you were saying that the, that mod for Far Cry 3, I think. The Blood Dragon? Was that what it was called? Oh, that's and like it was a... like 80s movies, pastiche, yeah. goofiness thing, you know, making it... Well, I guess this that game's weird because it's always been like the X Games version of killing people. Like, it's supposed to be about... Well, being extreme, right? Like as of the third one. Yeah, as of the third one. Yeah, definitely. yeah. The first and second are two very different yeah. things. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's all about like being extreme, and then they had this mod, which kind of made that 
that joke of that, they made a joke of that, right? And then you have now this game where they tried to have, I don't even know if they tried to, they accidentally had some political relevance or whatever. Uh, did they change the, oh, here's the I will the thing. tell you that <laughs> yeah. it does not, and they did not. Nice, okay. <laughs> I, I hear that, right. But the context of it, could be interpreted as yeah. Like, the the game in the context of the world is like political feelings. When it doesn't they, have anything to do with authors. When when it was e, like E three last year, when they came on stage, and the I can't remember the the name of the guy who's like the spokesperson for um, for Far Cry. Mm-hmm. He, he's usually like the head designer. You know, he's one of the higher up like leadership people. He's got a big beard, but when he came on stage and he's like. Rather than going, you know, to some like foreign lands, like where we're gonna have this white savior hero who's gonna uh, get magic yeah. tattoos and save an island, like we're setting it in fucking Montana, and it's like an American militia that is gonna be the villain of the game, and then they invited journalists to like a talk thing, and they did the same thing heavy pitch about like this is our inspiration we've been thinking about Ted Bundy we've been thinking about you know like all these different like um, yes. guns rights wackos mm-hmm. or whatever who kind of like either misinterpret or like vastly uh, overstep the, the bounds of like the constitution or whatever you know like whatever kind of like right wing thing spin you want to put on it like th- that's the villain of our game that's basically yes. was their pitch they were naming it they weren't being like yeah. cute about it or something and they, you know, they talk about the cult, but only in the sense of, like, the reverence that people have for guns and for, like, their right to kill or whatever. But then the game comes out, and it's all about the cult, and it's all about this, like, mm-hmm. pseudo-Christianity thing. And, like, it has nothing to do with, like, the politics of guns in the U.S. or any kind of, like, right-wing ideology or mm-hmm. conservative politics. Like, it's just about, like... And it's not even, like, a real cult. Like, the cult doesn't even function, like... How cults have functioned yes. in real life. They have the brainwashing. They've got brainwashing drugs, drugs right, and they've right, got right. like weird like. Because yeah, if you were even to tell like if you were to be if there was a system or whatever something that was honest about like how a cult functions, mm-hmm. that could be intriguing and maybe a way into the stuff that they were talking about, right? Like a, a social group conditioning people yeah. creating conditions yeah. for the people to be like uh, fanatic yeah basically yeah. but they didn't do that they were like you just shoot them up with yeah we gave them these magic drugs and we showed them these scary videos and now they're like mindless zombies did you finish the game that deep I haven't finished yeah. I think I've done I haven't actually done I've done like two story missions yeah. I'm not yeah. I've been like dicking around in the open world because right. that's usually more interesting to me um and I just think it's interesting that like what they were scared of, what they ended up being scared of in their like both sides the like, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to actually condemn anyone. Like there's no villain other than mm-hmm. uh, uh, this one dude who decided to brainwash people or whatever. Um, and their like eagerness to avoid familiarity, to avoid like connecting it to any kind of real world thing other than like it's in Montana I guess they uh, have like made it toothless you know and it's so funny that the familiarity like totally works in terms of engendering a feeling of me when I'm playing it Mm -hmm. and like terms of how it works but the actual story and their presentation and like the way it's all packaged just makes it like 
flat, like I'm eating oatmeal kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know? So there's like a disconnect <clears throat> between the aesthetic or whatever, which feels very familiar. Mm-hmm. And maybe even the characters. Too familiar yeah. given like current events yeah. or whatever, you know? Versus like what you're able to put together from from what the game's about. Like, yeah, and, and what, what has and, nothing to do about And what ends that aesthetic familiarity or serving, right? Oh, right. Cuz they're not serving. They're not no, they're not they're not showing me like the reason this feels familiar is because this is how the way the world works and it's wrong or whatever. Yeah. They're like the reason this feels familiar is because crazy people have taken advantage of it and are using magic to, you know, like make people bad or whatever. And there, I read an interesting tweet. I, I wish I could credit the person, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't think I favorited the tweet. But uh, they basically said that it's funny that when it's in the U.S., they have to justify the villain's actions and, like, the bad people's actions mm-hmm. through brainwashing and, like, magic drugs. But when it's in any other country, whether it's, like, fake Tibet or fake, you know, Thailand or whatever, it's like, no, they're just bad. They're just evil dudes. Right. <laughs> and we gotta kill them, you know? How do you become a henchman? Right? Because this, that's yeah. just like, oh, you know, when you go to a failed state, there's just henchmen everywhere. Right, yeah, like, how does that, how do you get that job? It's like, well... In America, the henchmen... They took our crops, so we can't grow, you know, bananas anymore, so now I'm just gonna have this gun, and I'm gonna ride around in a truck, and this white dude from California is gonna shoot me eventually. Kill me a hundred times. Yeah. Uh... It's a disappointment. But I think about that familiarity and unfamiliarity thing and like that balance. And I think about Lovecraft and then I think oh, about yeah. Annihilation because you wanted to talk about that. And I feel like that the the tension between those ideas is a big um, part of that story. Mm-hmm. And part of that movie. The book and the movie I think is yeah. playing with those two ideas of like things that are familiar that are wholly different even though they look the same or whatever. I finished the second book too. I yeah. I'll tell you about that. Did you like it? I did like it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I. I don't know if, if I want to read the third one. Seems like it's gonna. The third one is fine. I tell me all the things. But I don't know. I ultimately wasn't too interested in the. Into the like backstory, like the. Mm-hmm. I like solution. I liked learning more about the Southern Reach, which is why I liked the second one. You yeah. know. Um, but I wasn't too interested in learning like the definitive solution or like definitive answer as to what was going on in area x yeah it's poetic but it's not wholly satisfying i don't think it's supposed to be but Mm -hmm. it's very human actually which is fine i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah now i mean in annihilation the oh yeah we talked about this right like the the bear Mm -hmm. in that movie is terrifying right but then the what the bear does is completely like there's not there's is completely familiar what the bear does yeah how the bear works is like not there's nothing unknowable about that monster bear you know what i mean like right it's behaving like a bear it's behaving exactly like a bear but and it's terrifying it's terrible terrifying looking but it's what it's doing 
Like, that movie, this is what I said to you, I think the movie doesn't want you to be afraid of the bear. It's just presenting, or, I don't know about the movie, but the ideas that it's dealing with, if you can come to a point where you just think about that bear as being, like, uh, a function of nature. Right. That's, that's, like, what it's trying to get at. Yeah. But it is, it is, it's trying to make nature not unfamiliar. I think that makes sense. I mean, when I think about it, what I think about when I think about the what we think about when we think about the bone bear is that uh, it is, you know, on paper a familiar bear. It behaves like a bear would. Large portions of it look like a bear mm-hmm. does, but it is also something else. Like it's presenting again familiar information, like the screams of my friends yeah. <laughs> or whatever, the bone structure of my friend's face. Uh, in this unexpected place where it shouldn't be. But why is it unexpected that it's there? And why shouldn't it be there? Isn't it the same thing as the bear? You know? Mm-hmm. On, to, on some level or whatever. Yeah. I wonder too, is it... Because right after that... Or is it right before that? Wait, help me figure this out. With the... Someone brings up the metaphor of what's happening in, in the movie being a prism. Like the... I think it's the, before. It's before that. Okay, I believe that's Tessa Thompson's interesting. character, the, the physicist, suggests that yes. idea. Yeah, to everyone before yeah. they get messed up. Yeah, that there's like, what the rules of the movie and the rules of this like natural landscape now are that the biological materials, like it's scientific, is what's supposed to be, even, you know, whatever, science fiction. Mm. The biological materials are getting all refracted and messed up and tangled with each other. Right. So everything is behaving according to like what we know for them to behave like, except there's this new there's this new thing that there's this new rule. There's a new rule that everything's mm-hmm. refracted. Yeah. And then you see the bear. Yeah. And the bear is this terrible thing. It's just got a skull for a face. And yeah, it's like a very screams dr- with mo- yeah, screams, screams with a woman's voice. Yeah. yeah. But you know why? Yeah. Because it's and we just recognize refracted. the voice. Yeah. yeah. Because like obviously something at the moment of the bear killing that character. Mm-hmm. You know, we can think about the prism happening. Right. And, like... Yeah. Yeah. Because the prism is... What's the prism? What is a prism? What is the prism? Like, what does it mean? In Like, is there a prism in... Well, pr- like, I, just, like, speaking of... Speaking of that, like, a light... Things that refract light, like, that is a naturally occurring phenomenon. Like, right. quartz crystal does that on its own. In fact, it, like, gets close to the shapes of... Prisms, what like a prism is a like a like pyramid uh, rectangle kind of thing or whatever you know mm-hmm. like if you were to buy one at a science store or whatever like that's what they would hand you is like a rectangle that has a point like pyramid ends so it's reflecting mm-hmm. re- refracting light inwards and it's crossing on the inside or whatever I just had a thought though go ahead do you, me- you remember the topological anomaly or is it typo topological anomaly this it's like the thing they keep talking about in the books. Mm-hmm. And what it actually is, is the hole that they go into. Yeah. But it's not a hole in the books? In the book, no, well, so the lighthouse is the tower. The tower is the topological anomaly. Uh, yes. The tower is not a tower. The tower is a hole in the, like, it's a staircase going down forever. There you go. Yeah. In the ground. Um, and that's, like, the joke, not a joke, but, like, that's, like, the clever twist is that, like, the tower is actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. 
but the idea of like a topological anomaly like it's so that's you picture like the map right with the radiating rings and there's like a thing that maybe like is built up that makes me think of like what this prism is it's like all it is is like if you introduced a new shape in a landscape and then now all the materials around it had you know like like there's water rushing around it and maybe that's that water is like genetic material mm-hmm. the prism in the movie is like just this new thing this anomaly that just made all the water like flow in a different way right curve around it and made way. it like absolutely alien and crazy even though it is completely familiar yeah like it's nothing we haven't seen before it's just in a new shape and a new place or whatever so I think when you say what the prism is like broadly like thematically or whatever like I I think you can find lots of situations in life where we're presented with things that are familiar in like unexpected places and vice versa unexpected things in familiar places you know yeah like I think that's a very common experience and I think the movie particularly focuses on like death like the the idea of death as being one of these familiar things that still feels wholly unexpected when it happens Mm -hmm. you know and like as it happens around us or whatever um but yeah i think it's applicable to lots of different like naturally occurring phases systems experiences Mm -hmm. or whatever that humans go through that like could describe life prisms Because also with the notion, like what the movie likes and why it focuses on cancer at the start is that refraction mm-hmm. also usually involves some kind of duplication. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why the movie likes to play with the idea of doubles. Um, and that's why like cancer cells duplicate, you know, like that's the whole, that's the whole thing, I guess, that it's pointing at at the end is that like cancer is a duplication run rampant you know like yeah. it's like your body is just producing cells that it doesn't need to produce just because it naturally is like it just decides you know that that's how it's going to go or whatever mm-hmm. and your body does that anyways so like the process is actually a familiar process because your body does that you know gradually every seven years switches out duplicates switches out new cells for old cells or whatever but when it's presented in front of you like when it shouldn't be happening in a way that is like somehow more visible than it normally is even though we can like tell we're aging we can tell that like our hair is falling out that our skin is falling you know like all those things it seems like it seems unknowable and it seems frightening like being presented with a diagnosis like cancer you yeah know? there's something about too like you ever see those bumper stickers that are like fuck cancer for the people who've like beaten cancer yeah. or have like family members who've beaten cancer. Uh-huh. There's like this Also the very phrasing of beating, right? Beating cancer, yeah. right? You beat it, you beat diseases. Yeah. There's like Yeah. We cancer is the enemy, right? Right. That we can all agree upon, right? right? right. But then also cancer, like you said, it's nothing else but just like the basic principle of s- your body's cells. Doing the thing they owe, they're supposed, they're supposed to, do. to do, which is make more. Yeah, yeah, but at a rate that whatever causes the whole thing to eventually die, collapse yeah. or whatever. I don't know. I wonder, and I'm thinking like you know, we the ability to say, "Fuck that 
thing in particular is what cancer that's what cancer does for us because you're really just talking about like the 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 possibility of death is like latent to just every moment of life right or it's like in the in it um and then the being able to see like a tumor makes you think that like you weren't dying the whole time or you're kind of you can the tumor is like I'm trying to think of the tumor as like an actual object. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the what? tumor is the topological anomaly. Oh shoot! It's the water moving around the the lump in the ground, you know, but for your body mm-hmm. and for your perception of your own mortality, right? Right. All yeah. it's doing is that's right. The cancer, the metastasized thing is just like causing the organs to shift in a way that you know. I mean. Right. I don't know. That's getting is it, in the way. Are we being like? Does, is this like? Are we being rude? reductive? Is this rude? I don't know if it's rude. I mean, it's cancer? it's rude, but it, I would say that it's only rude if you take the way that we interact with and understand cancer to be accurate or wholly like, they, like if we think that it makes sense at all. Because as we're talking about like the fuck cancer thing and like the idea that a disease is the enemy, mm-hmm. like. That seems dumb, right? That's that seems really dumb. Like we we say that because. Like, on our most basic animal level, like, it makes it feel easier to get through these uh, familiar things presented in unfamiliar ways, you know? But that doesn't mean that it's, like, an accurate description or, like, a, a the true way that something is, you know? Like, a lot of these naturally occurring things are naturally occurring because they're naturally occurring, not because they're out to get us, you know? Like, <laughs> not because they're, like, purposely targeting us and we have to take them out before they can kill us, you know? Like, right. Sometimes they, sometimes the bad things just happen. But I, I, I do like I like that idea that the, the topo- topological anomaly, is the tumor is the prism, you know, it's being presented is like something happening, or being presented with something that makes you. Make the connections that you weren't making before, realize the processes that were happening, all along that you haven't been like tuned into I guess and then your mind making a decision as to whether you will be afraid of it or accept it or whatever you know or not or you don't have to engage with it at all if you don't want to but I think that is true what do you think about the dance sequence because it's a dance right it's Mm -hmm. supposed to like what is like from a plot perspective well so do you remember do you remember what she vague she says something, and I don't remember who she says it to. Natalie Portman's character, the biologist. Um, she at some point she's asked why she's going on this expedition onto this like into this this trek into this uh, shimmer into this you know like unknowable area X place. Like she's asked why she's doing it, and I believe like her first answer is she needs to know what happened to her husband or like why why he's come back the way he has right Mm -hmm. but her answer changes because at some point she is presented with that question again or it's implied and she gives a different response and you remember what that second response is is this uh she's being asked this like in it might be in the interrogation it might be in the interrogation at the end why did you go Oh God! I do. Yeah, there is a second time. I can't remember what she said. Because I, I for, if my memory serves, it has a lot more to do with her than it does with her husband. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that dance. If we think about how that dance ends, 
I guess, at the end, and spoilers for the movie, I guess. <laughs> uh, if we think about how that dance ends and who the person she's dancing with is or becomes, mm-hmm. was, I don't know, uh, she's kind of like dying to herself, right? Like she blows up this, tries to blow up this thing that is her, or we find is her, Yeah. you know, by handing it a grenade. Mm-hmm. And her husband does the same thing. She finds a video camera that confirms the same thing, that her husband meets some kind of double of him from Area X or from, you know, we don't entirely know like where it's coming from and what it is, but a double of him that's connected to all of the unknown things. And uh, he, he kills it, but he really, he kills himself and sends it back, you know. And the same thing happens to... Uh, Lena happens to the biologist. Yeah, the wait does yeah. yeah. Based off the ending. Right. Based right. off the ending. We can assume that. Yeah, my right, I, my feeling of that was, was that they that was a moment for me. I thought this was great. Like it took all these big you know, metaphysical slash like biological you know, these scientific things mm-hmm. that about nature and took it to a moment where it was about something super familiar, get back to that, which is like the idea of in a relationship when somebody changes, or they're always changing, mm-hmm. and you're both, you're kind of in this relationship. But when you notice it, and yeah, it becomes and hard, like it somehow suddenly becomes difficult as soon as you notice yeah, it, right? Yeah, and then the reality is that you're like, the in every moment, the person that you're talking to is no longer the is not the person you, you were talking to they before. Were. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's like a romantic moment is the ending. Right. Uh, they they embrace, they embrace each other. They embrace, they embrace each, each other, and they see something. They see a new thing in each other mm-hmm. that wasn't there before. Yeah. And they still embrace I, I, each I other. I love that. I didn't. I didn't love the eye shot. I didn't think it was necessary. Like I think yeah. I understood yeah. what was going on without needing that because I definitely knew that he was not the same. You know. Mm-hmm. So. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that was her, that was her anomaly. Like that was her topological anomaly was meeting this, we'll call it an alien because this, the score calls it the alien, Mm -hmm. you know, but that was her moment was when she's confronted with like this strangely familiar thing Mm -hmm. that is also wholly unfamiliar in its presentation and like where it is, you know, that she accepts yeah, it's totally alien, totally familiar because you know exactly what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. It's going to mirror your next movement. Right. But it's also changing by the second. Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite. You know, I was, I was thinking a lot. You mentioned this to me when we were going to take a stab at this before. Mm-hmm. But, like, the idea of memorializing relationships mm-hmm. or people. Yeah. 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 Did you want to talk about that? Did you want to. Yeah, like, well, no, I, I was thinking about that. It's like. In relation to this, I guess this is. Did it come out of this? Did you like watch? Yeah, it? when I was re- when I watched this movie, I thought about it. Yeah. And then thought about the you know when I thought about the movie afterwards or whatever, um, was that, like it's very at least for me personally it's very easy to allow myself to like think about how things are ending all the time you know like that's a very easy mode of thought mm-hmm. that I can slip into like a type of cognition that I have you know is this idea of like watching everything dial or you like watching everything dial around me, you know? And, uh, I think thinking about this movie and what this movie 
seems to be saying, or like the story in general, is that like you're right to think that that's happening, but also that's fine. <laughs> like also that's totally fine, you know. Like that's just natural. That's part of like nature or whatever is these things that come to an end then new things happen or different things happen you know and that is like an idea that I've wrestled with for a long time in my life I guess is the like is it okay like yeah, should is I be thinking yeah. is it okay that something ends and is it okay that I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. you know um, and the way I often think about it is I'll think about it in the in terms of like a memorial of like if I'm writing the in memoriam or like the uh, what's it called in the newspaper obituary if I'm writing the obituary for like this moment or this relationship or this person or whatever like what are the things that would make it into the obituary and like how would it end you know because I know how it ends in the newspaper it ends in the newspaper with them saying and she is survived by you know her wife and her two kids or whatever you know and uh, but that's not always how it feels in real life, in real life, when you reach the ends of those things, like it doesn't feel like you, like are living on, or like you or they are living on after the end of that thing. Like it feels like it's completely over, or it's completely unfamiliar. You know. Are you talking about? Is this you like you in the moments, or is it like you mean like just people dealing with? Grief it can be between two loss. people. It can be between two people. It could be between you and an experience that you yeah. had. Like I could think it works and it's the same thing in any multitude of ways. Yeah, um, this moment is survived by. I don't know. Can yeah. You, can you adopt that? Yeah, like a, uh, that one time you went bowling is survived or is not survived by. Is not know, survived. Yeah, like it could be that way too, because maybe your relationship with the moment is so changed in the sense that it's ended now or like the way you related to it before is ended now that like you, because you are wholly different you know like you've mm-hmm. ended and become something else too um yeah i don't know like i that's that's what the what's what the movie spoke to me was this notion that like even the very idea of thinking that there are endings and beginnings is very limiting and very like not I don't think accuracy should be like a thing that you necessarily have to strive for, but I think in terms of like your experience <laughs> of living, um, when you find things that feel like they uh, represent the way things are, it feels comforting, I guess, to see that in something else. So the way the movie posits that like, oh yeah, and death is not the end and endings are not beginnings and really things are just constantly swirling in mm-hmm. and out, exchanging pieces forever and ever. Like, that was like, oh, yeah, there's some truth to that mm-hmm. idea, I guess. Um, so that that's why I really like the ending of the movie. Yeah. Even though I don't I like the eye shot. I didn't like the eye shot, yeah. but now same. Yeah. I think... But that idea spoke to me. Yeah. Because this is a time where there are a lot of topological anomalies, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. this is unprecedented and... Yeah, like the meta, meta, dimension like, altering. Yeah, broad, broadly in terms of what's going on in the world, uh-huh. though I think that's probably true all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think more personally in terms yeah. of what's going on, like uh, uh, psychological development or like just life, uh, what's it called? Lifespan. Ah. There's like a study of uh, growing up, mm-hmm. but I don't remember what the 
the actual scientific term is, but like this transitional period from adulthood to like some other kind of adulthood or whatever. It's got its own category. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. The, have you felt like I felt this? I felt like I've had to do a lot of adaptation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In both literal ways and like literal when I say like I'm having to change my behavior and yeah. Like the way I do things or whatever, mm -hmm. but also like less like more abstract ways of like in terms of how I think about things and choose to think about things in the future or whatever. Right. Yeah. Or view and interpret things. Yeah. Yeah. What What changed? I mean, obviously we graduated, mm -hmm. and obviously there's our you know our time is now all of a sudden owed to all these different entities, right? Your job or your loans or whatever. And before it didn't feel like you owed anybody. Like you didn't it didn't feel that I don't you felt free. Yeah. Right? There was some sense of obligation, but it was completely familiar. Yeah. And, and it was still free. You could you, see right? and you could see it all sides of it you know mm, mm -hmm. whereas like now there are things that seem familiar and things that work the same but like multiple sides have now been obscured <laughs> so that like even though it looks like a truck from the front side like it might not be a truck if I look if I were to be able to like see around it you know uh -huh. like I think about is all the those... truck gonna run you over <laughs> yeah yeah the <laughs> truck is like going 100 miles per hour yeah um, I think about all those like VR demos I'm, I'm sure you've done one and like sometimes they're as simple as like there's an object in the room and you're gonna you're gonna just look around the object and like the wonder of it is gonna be the fact that it takes up space the fact that it looks like something different but familiar from the side and looks like something different familiar, you know, the side. Crazy how I can see it. Yeah, like, a, wow, I can see all sides of it, you know? Uh, but you still can see below it, uh, unless you pick it up. Um, but I, I think about that, yeah, that, like, that's what it feels like, is that, like, I'm in the room now with the objects, but they removed one of the 3D tracking cameras, so now it can't track my head so I could feel like I'm in the room with mm -hmm. the thing and it's taking up space and I'm taking up space and we have some sense of presence and we're in communication with each other about that. But I don't, I can't, you know, I can't, can't be sure. What's it's going on over there? Can't be sure it's a chair. I can't be sure it's a chair anymore. Yeah. It's taking up the space of a chair, but I don't know, you know? Yeah. Can I sit in it? Can I sit in it? I, can't. I don't, what, you might doesn't fall. Seem, doesn't seem like it. Can't be sure. Yeah. So I don't know. There's lots of situations that are like that, where it's like, and I don't know how that happens. Uh -huh. I don't know like what's gifted to you. Like me, yeah, maybe it is seeing the tumor or whatever, mm -hmm. and you don't have control over that. That's just natural. Um, but something is gifted to you when you become an adult, when you graduate school, when whatever, when you you see the tumor, that uh, changes your perception of things, obscures some things, casts, you know. Familiar things and unfamiliar lights, all that kind of stuff. Been reading. I read this. Been reading this book. Yeah. Matter and Memory. Henry Bergson. Bergson. Um, but one thing I've been thinking a lot about it is I feel that, or this guy had this idea that 
what like what is memory for? What do we have memory for? And it's more or less to just convert, or it's thought becoming action. Is like what memory is for. Like you, you're having memories so that you can work quicker to pump the brakes on your car. Like you don't have to like think about like why does the brake. You know what I mean? Like, how does the brake work? But you think you know because you you have this memory that is now in your body in right. a way that you've done it a, millions of times, whatever. You know, and it, that's like the main theory here is that, that like uh, the f- that there's a function of memory um, that it becomes mechanical and it kind of goes both ways too, obviously, right? Because the memory is just like an image of, a, of a, you, you or... Uh, it's based in the real world, right? A memory has to come from the real world, first of all. Yeah. So there's like this mechanical nature to it. Which I thought is kind of nice. <laughs> like, that um, like an incomplete v- view of the chair is still is, is not like it's not incomplete as far as it is tell like you are processing it and it's telling you something about the chair and your mind is doing stuff with that. You know what I mean? Like it's still information you can act on. It's still information you can act on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm I think I'm entangling the two things but they don't really I think there is no I think there I think there is some connection. Like yeah. my counter to what like uh, memory and matter sure. proposes or at least what like what you've brought from it is not every memory is so functional. Mhm. Like, maybe it's that simple for our brains, but our experience of memory is, like, not always that functional. Like, sometimes we can tell, like, oh, I remember how to drive the car because I remember when my grandma took me to the park and we drove in the parking lot, and, like, this is exactly like that moment, and I can back up easily without looking, or, you know, like, whatever. But it's not always that functional. Like, I also know what the smell of, like, the rub that my other grandma uses on pork is and I can conjure that smell in my head right now, but I couldn't tell you what functional purpose that memory serves or how I'm gonna act on it right now or how I would act on it if I were to remember it involuntarily, you know? Yeah. Like the only function I can think of it is like, if perchance next time I come home she's at my house and she's cooking pork or whatever, I'll know that she's cooking pork before she tells me. But the f- like, function could be that it's just nice. Right, <laughs> yeah. I think that I would say that this guy's theory allows for that. Yeah. Like, he's just saying that there's not like memory doesn't go into a void. It doesn't just like what happens in your mind isn't like it's not purely mechanical. You know, it can't be reduced to that. But it's not. Uh, it's not like complete. It's not disconnected from reality. It's absolutely in the real world. Your mind is in the real world, right? That's like the big, the broader theory. So yeah. like. This is there like uh, these, getting yeah. away from the like brain in a tank thing. Do you brain know that whole thing? Who's that? Of like we have no way of knowing if we're just a brain that's floating in a tank. You know, right. if consciousness doesn't, you know, if perception is so limited that like all we know is yeah what we see and feel and hear or whatever. Like we have no way of knowing if this is just the experience of a brain in a I think yeah, tank thing. He's like hard pass yeah. on that. Um, yeah, just trying to situate right the mind and like memory and perception, all in those things in the body. Mm-hmm. I think I I my interpretation is also that if you were you reducing it purely to like 
Well, maybe you do reduce it always to motion. Because I can understand how that's comforting to some extent, but I feel like it's very unromantic and it's very, uh, I don't know. It's not something I'm super interested in. You know? Like I like the idea of like, oh, also sometimes I just collect stuff that has no purpose. Yeah. And I have no control over it and it's just like the cost of living. Right. Because I think there's, I think there are lots of other relationships and experiences that happen in life that function that way too. Of like, there's no real reason why I should feel this way. It's just part of the, part of the price of existing or whatever, you know? I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think in the theory too, because again, we're putting the mind in reality. You also got to realize that like, it goes both ways, right? Like you're receiving these things uh, memories of yourself or whatever or you know just seeing stuff thinking about stuff but then also that is motivating your action you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it's it's back and forth right feedback I think it's both I think it's both that way and I was thinking about that too because I, I had this weird experience recently where I want like I one of the th- adaptations mm-hmm. I have had is realizing when I'm like having like super anxious mm-hmm. and realizing that I should do something Ver- you know this is the adaptation mm-hmm. that I didn't have before one of the things I do is go for a walk and this one time I you know I usually go like whatever left down the street and I went the other way and I ended up at this old park which is next to my like first elementary school mm-hmm. I was only there for a couple of years right and I just randomly ended up there. I don't know, you know, not exactly sure why I wasn't trying to get there. Just kind of a vague feeling like, oh, big, nice open space. I'll go over there. And then, like, I just had this bunch of memories come to me of, like, being there as a kid at school, being there for baseball practice a long time ago, being there in middle school, like, when we would play tag because I was friends with this guy across the street, or, like, High school, we would walk across it to get to the pizza store, the the, the pizza store, the Little Caesars. Pizza store. Pizza store. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> Little Caesars. Uh, all of that, and I and it was and it was it stuck out to me because it made me feel very nice about my whole hometown in a way that felt new. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I'm kind of like need to get out of here or like oh my god, like, yeah, just like feeling that I need to get out of here, or that nothing has happened here, everything else happens somewhere else. And then realizing, wait a minute, that's crazy, because I was here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd have to throw away, you're gonna throw away the whole town, you gotta throw away everything you did there. Right. And, yeah, and just like thinking about like, that there was something mechanic. there's a mechanical thing happening, in a way, between me, all these sensations, all my history, a feeling of like feeling good, all of that happening in, in concert. That's the word. And that was, uh, that is something I felt that that book helped me with a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it, that was all part of that. So, can I posit a new or like a slightly modified, like, uh, definition? of the tumor idea is that like what if the tumor idea is not just 
reminding you or presenting you with familiar things in unfamiliar ways to remind you, you know, that they happen or that they're going on or whatever. But more broadly, the tumor lets you know what there is or where you are or what there, yeah, I think what there is is probably the best phrase. Is like when you're presented with these tumors, these topological anomalies, the prisms, um, the alien encounters. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You're you're reminded of what there is. Alien encounters what, with yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. and I and I say what there is to like remove any uh, like notion of like time or whatever, because mm-hmm. even though your memories happen in the past, you're experiencing them again by being there you know mm-hmm. so i will just keep it all in the present like it, everything's happening all at once kind of thing and just say what there is um and that that's really what the the tumor is doing or like the tumor does yeah it's not do- that's what it can do it's not that's doing anything do. you know it just is yeah yeah it's not a tumor because i'd like to think i'd like to think that it's not always a, it, the <coughs> onus isn't always on you to reinterpret these negative things into positive slash natural yeah. things you know like that's good and you that's a good practice you know so definitely like familiar as unfamiliar like that's a good practice to reinterpret that as comforting death is natural or whatever yeah um but i i think it can also just be like a more like a easier to achieve positive thing as well of just reminding you what's going on what there is yeah you know where you are that kind of thing I wrote I wrote an, an, a note today that the only thing you need to know about death is that it's not here today. I didn't really like expand on that, but that mm-hmm. it felt I don't know what I was reading, but then I like put that down. Mm. I think that's good. Because if I anything, mean, you know, you I mean, if anything, you don't need stuff. to know anything about death. No, right. Yeah, yeah right. You don't even need to like. Yeah, like the most I guess like I yeah I don't even want to hedge. I would say yeah you don't need to know anything. I was gonna say the most is to know that it exists, but you don't even need to know that. Right, right. Because it comes that comes with it. That's packaged. Packaged in is with it happening is also the complete and understanding that it is <laughs> and that it can. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. The morals. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, I, I, like, wrestle with that idea, going back to, like, the obituary memorial thing, I, I wrestle with that idea often of, like, uh, do you have to apply a narrative to everything, do you have, does everything have to be the most consequential thing in your life at any given moment or whatever, and, like, what I thought about last night, actually, before going to bed, uh, was that, like, I think what I, what I, I'm attracted to in stories or like some a goal I would like to pursue in stories is turning things of inconsequence, turning inconsequence or adding consequence to inconsequence basically. Because I think that is just one of the uh, human things that we do is that like either through memory, like we realize like, oh, this was good and important or whatever, mm-hmm. or um, through trauma or grief or whatever, like, oh God, this thing happened and it was awful, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm the the adding narrative process the narrativization of experience is adding consequence to things that because everything is inconsequential in the grand scheme of life you know uh that's like one way of uh 
seeing the tumor, I guess. That's like the first step or whatever, is like you realize the consequence of the inconsequential, inconsequential, basically. Right. Yeah. Memorials are all about narratives. Yeah. Even like a funeral is all about narratives. Yeah. Because you, you just, what are you supposed to do at a funeral? Like, right. no one even knows what you're supposed to do at a funeral. Feel sad. But what right. you actually do is tell stories. Right. About the person. Yeah. Yeah. Because the narrative, I mean, in one sense, you're trying to keep the thing alive. Mm-hmm whatever it may be with the narrative trying to kind of extend it into a different thing mm-hmm. right it's less about saying that it's like by saying that like acknowledge you acknowledge the thing is gone in these narratives that's a big part right that's the memorial part but then your feeling is that you want to extend it you want to extend the thing into the into a story right mm-hmm. you want to keep it alive in a thing yeah which feels like the the best way right like, yeah but it'll mean a new thing and it'll be a new thing in the process mm-hmm. i think i think that's unavoidable you know yeah like your like your story your story could be that uh like i thought my dad was an asshole but Really, he, you know what I mean? Like, really, he was teaching me discipline. Sure, yeah. or you know, whatever yeah. it is. It's that's kind of the thing that death is associated yeah. with. That like, and that's unavoidable too, because every time you remember something, you remember it differently than the last time you remembered it. Like every time your brain is like physically recalling it, mm-hmm. like firing up those synapses or whatever, it's slightly modifying them. So your memories of experiences shift over time. Mm-hmm. You know, so. That used to really freak me out, but I don't know anymore. I think it's fine. I think it's kind of interesting. It just seems kind of fine and interesting, right? I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I don't mind. (laughs) Yeah. I look forward to it. I look forward to remembering awful things and like, oh, best day. Not that bad. (laughs) Best day of my life. Yeah. But it's a good movie. (laughs) Which is to say, it's a good movie. But I think it would be a good movie outside of who made it you know mm-hmm. like I think it's just a good story yeah yeah and just the specific spin and visuals really elevated it oh yeah how do you feel about this was like a Jeff Vandermeer tweet that like uh, uh, oh I, you know kind of reflecting on the book mm-hmm. the success it's had become a movie and he was like I never imagined that the I forgot what he calls it. Like the virus that I created would go pathological in this way. Yeah, like, he used some kind of metaphor like that, yeah. um, which is cool. And that kind of that's part of what made me want to be like, you know, oh, I just kind of want to jump from that book, or I just want to jump from the movie, the to first the movie, book. into the second book, because like to him, this is like a pure expression of the. Right. Of the it's book. all like, you know the times, I mean? yeah. Yeah. The fact that it's similar but different. It's yeah. familiar but unfamiliar. Yeah. Um is important to the first book. Yeah, like the very form of it, I guess you're right, yeah. The yeah. very form of it, it's the whole production process was the book in a nutshell, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. There's another part, another prism. Yeah. And also another instance where like things had to die for new things to, you know. There were changes made, you know whole plot lines excised you know right yeah 
There's no crawler. There's no crawler in the movie. There's, no There's a bear in the book. There's a bear in the book. Oh. Well, I think I'm trying to remember. There might be a bear, or the crawler might take the place of the bear. Probably takes the place. Yeah. Um, where does the? This is a tangent now, but like, where does the uh, second book end? I don't remember. Jumps into oh he jumps in the pool yeah yeah another way into area X yep yeah so he's met Ghostbird yeah yeah who we meet at the end of the movie arguably at the end of the movie Natalie Portman oh wait actually is Ghostbird the psychologist or the biologist the biologist yeah yeah I would say that that new Natalie Portman that we meet Mm mm-hmm or like that, yeah. The person we meet at the end of the movie, I, I would say, is that makes sense. Is the ghost bird? Yeah, I don't know if the husband comes up. The husband I dies. I don't think the husband. Is the husband doesn't come home. The biologist. Yeah. I what I liked about that book, you ta- you mentioned this to me, like the the weirdness of like this bureaucratic entity which yeah, is it's like, so structured like it's so structured but it's so like banal it's like yeah. the I feel I have a very vivid image in my head of the Southern Reach as just like this shitty office yeah. of sorts like they make it look cooler in the movie like they make it yeah. look a lot cooler in the movie than how it actually uh-huh. is in the book in the book it's like a even more boring NASA like yeah. it's an even more like less active NASA basically like if people that worked at NASA had kind of just like gone crazy over the years. Yeah, and, and like, like the only everyone re- kind of wanted to forget about NASA. Yeah. And know, the only reason it gets weird, the only reason it gets weird, like the organization gets weird, is that like several people had personal issues that they brought to work that made it get weird. Like the psychologist has like very uh-huh. oh, yeah. complicated personal issues that related to right. the organization and Area X and whatever, you know. Otherwise, it would just yeah become like an increasingly yeah. boring thing that would get further and further away from its original intention. And I liked the I liked control, mm. um, him being like this fixer. Which is again this all this weird like this, him being a part of this organism, right? Uh, being introduced to the ecosystem yeah. or whatever. I thought that was very deliberate. Like, this is this human organism, the Southern Reach and uh, Central or whatever. Um, and then him being a part of it. Like, these are the weird... Like, I have an appreciation for bureaucracy, even though it is, like, depicted as this decaying thing in the right. book. Uh, I think that has static. to be destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's completely... Right. Calcified. But it is another type of organism it's like this yeah it's like the area x yeah 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 they're they are each, they are mirrors of each other mm-hmm. it's almost the reverse whereas like area x keeps sending things out you know mm-hmm. unbeknownst to these people or whatever like we had to send something we had yeah. to send something <laughs> and so we sent a, like a building full of people yeah it was yeah. again it was like a weird stucco building full of people who don't really know what's going on, mm-hmm. but who are very good at getting people killed. Yeah, I like the aesthetics of that a lot. Also, when I initially, when I initially um, 
was like had just met Dustin because I met him through Adam while I was in Japan. I was reading these books while I was in Japan, and uh, Dustin's original idea for his I guess this was for his AP, maybe his thesis was a space movie. But like we both agreed that like we didn't want like a movie that had anything to do with like people going to space. Nice. It was just gonna take place in like oh, the bureaucracy this. of of NASA, you know, uh-huh. or like a NASA like organization. Uh, and it would all be concerning like the Fermi paradox of like can we is there a way we can for certain know that there is life outside of Earth or whatever. And it's about this woman who designs a machine that does it. And she finds out that there's no one <laughs> that we're holy that we're holy alone. How do you feel about that now? Uh, that decision. Well, we went back and forth on to whether that would be the ending. Uh-huh. Like there are some versions where like she finds out that there's other life, and then she keeps it secret. There's some versions where like it initially seems like there isn't, and then like the tag at the end is like oh, actually there is, you know, like or whatever. Um, I'm fine with either. I kind of like either. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of like. Her having to make do, knowing that dark secret, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like the idea of her having to fight a bureaucracy that's trying to cover it up, or is like actually not even interested, mm-hmm. even though they funded it, you know. But like a lot of the aesthetics of like what the buildings would look like and like what I imagined it would look like visually were like what I imagined when they describe the Southern Reach in uh, nice. in that second book because it was also going to take place in Florida and it was also you know like I liked a lot of that. Uh, there's something, there's something uh, weird about the swamp and marshland in Florida, that uh, makes it very easy to slip into that kind of thinking. And yeah. like, well, it's like ju- like a Jurassic. Yeah, it feels. World. It feels very ancient. Steaming pools. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. In, yeah. In a dinosaur text. Yeah, and it's totally natural. Dinosaur like, textbook. Dinosaur textbook in my dinosaur. For dinosaur college. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a thing that's totally familiar. Like it's a thing that's mostly unchanged, you know, or whatever. For like from when life first formed mm-hmm. in that area. Yeah. But uh, it feels very like an alien landscape. Mm-hmm. Something beyond humankind. There's uh, this book, A Thousand Years of Nonlinear History. The experiment, though, is that the author was trying to use like all the scientific nonlinear dynamics, basically, mm-hmm. to just to tell a story of history and he does it three times like I'll use the process of uh, thermodynamics to describe institutions and cities and like things that like like a picture of molten lava pouring and then cooling mm-hmm. and that's like a city in this guy's philosophy right and there's another part looking at it um, like by bi- biological materials so like looking at genes, how they moved and flowed or whatever. Um, and also, like, plant matter is a part of that. And then the last one was, like, language. But I, I, the first one is always interesting to me. Or the first one, I think about it with uh, the Southern Reach. Because, <clears throat> like, we don't, we always, we don't picture, we don't picture office buildings as being a part of nature at all. But I like that there's this, there's this connection to the way that things harden, that is very natural. Mm-hmm. That is exactly like nature. And it can be like a political institution does that, but also like a library does that. It has to like, it's about like, it's literally about something 
with a lot of energy, like rolling down a hill, right, to go back to the lava, and then cooling. And like that's that's how uh, that's what that's what people are doing, or we're moving that around. That's Do you think around. that like these um, stories and like narrative frameworks or whatever that use biology as like the um, tool through which they describe yeah. like their theme or get at like their ideas? You think the reason why they feel like especially um, like useful or revelatory is because we're a part of the very same biology that it uses to describe yeah absolutely right yeah. like you can look out your door and have a thought about nature right not all like most of the time you're not having any thoughts about nature because of I would say whatever the various institutions Get in the way you know, between those whatever. two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't feel. There's a lot of things that are designed to remain static and not change. And change is the worst possible thing that can happen. Right. You know, it's a terrible, terrifying thing in like many circumstances. Yeah. You're taught this. Yeah. So that you live in the static world of like dead objects. Right. You imagine. But we're surrounded. No, but you're surrounded, right? Inundated, a part of, yeah. like, constantly changing. Like, you know, all the things in this room, or whatever, everything's part of nature, right? All the things in this room appear uh, like dead, immobile things. Right. But, I mean, how long is the wood table going to last? In right. Here, right? It's, and how long ago was it its original form of, like, a tree? Or, yeah. You know, in the grand scheme of time, not very long ago. Days ago, minutes ago, you know, and how yeah, long will it, and how long <laughs> until it goes back? Not very long. Oh, either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, toss it out. Uh, yeah, the the this relationship between like change and like stasis, because it's there's an equilibrium that'll happen, right? Like the lava cools because of that, like because of nature. But I guess people are just like, you, I mean, I don't know, there's definitely a pre preference for one over the other. Yeah, but even those moments of stasis are not actually that, you know, they're just experiencing a different kind of change. It yeah. might be slower or less visible. Really. You're right, yeah. Like St entropic <clears throat> forces are always acting upon mm -hmm. everything, you know. Things like, it's like a it's scale of intensity. It's not like uh yeah, Nothing when we process materials, we're just like lessening the intensity mm -hmm. slightly or whatever, temporarily. Into a different intensity, yeah. I don't know, something. Uh, what I don't remember is if what the line that Jennifer Jason Lee says in the uh, underground part, if that's from the first book or not, I don't remember. When I was watching the movie, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely what, like that's some of the dialogue that was scrolled on the wall. Um, in the movie, in the movie, she's what she says. What she says is some of the dialogue that's scrawled on the wall by the crawler in the book, but I don't think that's you're true. Not sure, yeah, because yeah. she says the name of the movie. <laughs> she says yeah. the word. That's the only bad part of the movie, I'd say. <laughs> it's the only questionable choice. I think you didn't need to say it. Uh, yeah, I have no idea, but I don't think so. I yeah, think no, it's no, yeah, it's definitely not. It's in that voice, talking about the, the strange fruit mm -hmm. growing.
Is it or is it the strangling fruit? It's strangling fruit. Strangling, yeah. but I like that you the drift, right? Yeah. Because that's in the in the second book. Uh, oh God, what part is it? There's this, there's some part where control is like encountering reports. It might even be the scrawling on the wall, mm-hmm. and like because there are multiple. Yeah. Different. Uh, They've sent people, they've sent linguists multiple times, mm-hmm. and they've written down different things, right? Yeah, and there's something with, like, the words, I am I think I'm trying to, what I'm really remembering is, like, a, a particular paragraph or mm-hmm. whatever, where the character's reflecting on something, mm-hmm. I think that's what it is, and just reflecting on the drift of, like, a certain word. As it, and it kind of changes, like like changing a cer- a single letter in a word. Yeah, uh, that's definitely in the book in a moment. And I'm pretty sure that, like, the reason why that's even more poignant in the second book is that in the first, and I think they come back around to it in the third. The actual writing is alive too. Like it's not like it's like cr- like uh, cut into the wall. It's like literally like moss. Like it's a living thing itself. Mm-hmm. that's on the wall. That's kind of like growing as the crawler, you know, crawls down into hell or whatever. You know? Yeah. So it's alive too. So maybe it is changing, you know. Or maybe the linguists who are sent to interpret it are changing and seeing different things. Should maybe read the third one. You think? Yeah. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I should. Just to have the complete picture. Yeah. Of what was going on. Oh, you're holding back. Is that what it is? Yeah. You have things. Yeah. I have things I wanted to talk about that I won't say. I forgot about that. Yeah. Because I don't think they, I think they hint at them in the second book, but I don't think they really get into it. Because there's also a device, there's like a narrative device in the third book that's not in the other ones. At least from my memory. There's like two timelines. There's like, like, some some kind of flash, some direction yeah. kind of thing. And I guess going back <laughs> to the very beginning yeah. when I talked about Far Cry, yeah, I think the reason why Annihilation and all of the extended properties, the various uh, you know, virus that spread, um, the reason why it's so much more compelling in its use of familiar things and unfamiliar things, is that it actually says something about the way things are whereas Far Cry attempts to do that attempts to combine unfamiliar and familiar things in like interesting ways but doesn't like avoid saying anything about either yeah it, and you know what it's it's like you have to uh, have like a concentrated effort yeah, like, that. I have to actually, like, when you make an f- argument for the, you know, like, well, I have to, When like, you bring the familiar and unfamiliar together, you're gonna, there's gonna be, like, this third thing, which is, like, Right, like, there'll be it. meaning that will be made just yeah. by bringing those two together, so you're but, actually, like, purposely avoiding, you know like, they're you're doing work to make sure that they fit perfectly in line, so yes. they just make a flat wall rather yeah. than, like... and that's what that game has. It has, like, it's ready to be a flat wall. Like, I would love for you to just interlock hands, right. but, like, not actually... That's what the, the brainwashing drugs do, yeah. right? It's, like, a big... Whatever that's, like, caulking or whatever. 
Oh yeah, just like fill in the cracks. Yeah. Um, make it easy. Yeah, when the cracks are like that's the fun places to play in. You know, like that's where that's where you should get some of your enjoyment. That's where the fun could be. So a big flat thing. I just okay. Because the the it's, the experience the the loop is it's a good loop, you know. It's not broke. They changed it enough so that it's like interesting in a new way. If anything, it's more open ended, like almost to a fault, you know. Mm. Um, and uh, that's satisfying. That's satisfying in its own way, even if the narrative is, uh, you know, annoying, bordering on right. like offensive. And not even offensive in a not <laughs> in even a, yeah, not even way. offensive in a meaningful way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All the kids at the middle school play Fortnite. Really? Yeah. It is America's biggest game. I guess it's, yeah, right. Everybody's catching on. Fortnite's Fortnite's the new baseball. Yeah, oh my god. (laughs) Fortnite's America's pastime. Drake can play it. Anyone can. And since he's the president. And since he is the, he sets the tone for the nation. If there's one thing the president does, it's determine what the new esport will be. (laughs) What if, yeah, that'd be great if the president could just do that. That was it. Obama was a gamer. But he didn't. He never determined. Did he play World of Warcraft? If he played World of Warcraft, then I would agree. I imagine Obama being a Gears of War kind of dude. That sucks. He won't play Gears of War. But he played Horde. Also, he He played Horde. He played Horde mode with his friends. He doesn't play with his pro with with Joe. Never. I bet all those like uh, freaking nerds that are now like podcast moguls. Those those. Staff your, guys, your former Obama speechwriters those dudes of the world were like all about Gears of War. Like they loved Gears of War. Like they had West Wing contests mm. or something. Mm. Uh, and Obama's just like, I don't play games. <laughs> if Obama was a gamer, what type of gamer would he be? What kind of gamer would he be? <laughs> I think he would play those types of games. What? Those very definitive, like, there is a hero, and it is the main character, <laughs> and there is a story, and it has an end. Like, that's the kind of games he would He would play, like, very linear shooters or adventure games. I feel like he might play Breath of the Wild. That's, he, because, he that's, be that's because he is a Nintendo boy. I, you think he's a Nintendo boy? I think he's confirmed that. I think he's confirmed that, but he played Nintendo as a kid. Yeah, he's a Nintendo yeah. boy. That makes sense to me. That's what I'm getting at. He's yeah. not an Xbox boy. But his speechwriters were Xbox boys. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe that was the problem. <laughs> there was some kind of miscommunication between policy and... No. Do we need a PS4 present? <laughs> no, PlayStation. No, we don't. No, we don't. We needed a Nintendo. We don't want a Nintendo president either. No? No. <laughs> Nintendo president. There is no video game console that would make a good president. <laughs> what about like, uh, I'm trying to think of, what about like the Oculus Rift? Oh no. No, we don't want that. That's, that's not even, what is that? No one wants a VR president. It's the Steam. Oh, you don't console. want that either. No. 
they're like libertarians. Yeah. Can you imagine us having a libertarian president? Can we retcon an old president into being a modern libertarian now? Probably not. No. A libertarian president? No. How did we come to such a dumb idea so late <laughs> in our political development? Of yeah. libertarianism. What if everything was money? Yeah. <laughs> what if I could do whatever I want because it's my right? If money is freedom, <laughs> everything should be money. <laughs> Duh! Is there a way I can stay a young boy forever? There is. I was going to say it's Andrew Jackson. You think he was a libertarian? Andrew Jackson. I think his political philosophy was racism. Yeah, I know. What's this thing like? It's like social and economic racism. Purifying yeah. the nation of, yeah, people who are here before. Uh... Yeah, oh my god, wow, I just had a real, I had a breakthrough. I'm sure I've had this breakthrough before, but thinking about it in these terms, I just had another one. Is that like, we used to just make poor people other races so that we could kill them. Mm -hmm. And now we make other races poor people so we could kill them. But it's still the same sentiment, you know? We just changed the order. Bro, I, yep, I think you, <laughs> you put something together. Yeah, I, uh... Really, there's just people we want to get rid of that we don't like for some reason. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe this ties into the whole stasis thing, right? We've created a thing where, like, there's a a part of it being in stasis requires or allows for right the death of certain members of the population right that's part of the st oh to maintain our status to maintain Whoa. the yeah. stasis right uh, because like the system of there being of of there being inequality but mobility, that idea is presented as like we figured it out. That's the fucking end of of designing politics or right. whatever. Like it's the like end. We did it, folks. See, there's a path. It's the hardest path you'll ever walk. <laughs> but there's a path. It's so fucking hard. It's Some crazy. would say it's impossible for certain people. But yeah. look. You can be at the bottom, you can be at the top, yeah. you just, this you, just guy did you get to choose. You can do it. Right. Notice the, I said guy, because women will never do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, the, that's the thing. It's presented as like the end. Stasis. And really, it was like not even the beginning. It was like a weird side path. It was just like this constant law that we allow. <laughs> right. And now, but also. It's like an invisible law that we have created by making other ones, right? Yeah, 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 yeah right. All those things that enforce it. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, God. I always did... The, maybe, maybe we might have to cut this out, but like, <laughs> the teaching thing, man, uh -huh. is like... I just think about... Oh, you know what? I, this is the one... The thought I had specifically was that reading Foucault did not make having this job any easier. <laughs> like, it has not made it any easier to convince child to do what I told him to do like uh, which is the joke version of saying that like I'm 100% learned how to be a police officer I know how to like because my job is about 
or a large part of it, the worst part of it, is about removing the liability of my employers. Or removing the liability, protecting the liability of my employers. Which is to say, keeping the kids safe, but in a way, in a specific way, right? Uh, we absolutely have to cut this. Uh, <laughs> uh, We're calling the cops right now. Uh, it's about protecting the liability, right? Um, policing bodies, so like stop hitting each other, or like stay in, stay here, mm-hmm. or um, don't get out of your chair, right? All these things, uh, and just like learning how to do that, you know. Like I got here's a good one for you. I got a bag of Starbursts. Great investment. Because you use that as. Uh, yeah. motivation I give it uh, when like we sit down to do homework and everybody's kind of talking I just go out I give one kid a candy everyone else shuts up because they all want candy now and it's like that's some big, that's some, terrible uh, that's <laughs> some uh, psychology 101 shit right and it's like that's the whole system of education at least it's positive reinforcement right yeah but that's the meritocracy thing or whatever it's really bad it's really about motivating you to buy in. If you buy into the thing and you work hard, then you can get a candy. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the kids to buy in. Buy into the employer. We're going to have to cut this. <laughs> we get fired. Maybe kids should go to a separate school that's after normal school that teaches them why learning is good. <laughs> that's what I thought this job would be, dude, <laughs> but it's, it's not. It sucks. Well, and so Why did they like, make there's, a, there's a version where that's what homework is. And that homework should reframe everything you learn in class that day in a way that makes it meaningful or a way that, like, at least gives you a new angle and a new perspective. And maybe you'll latch onto that new angle more than you did to the lecturing class, you know, Absolutely. or the, the lab or, you know, whatever. Um, but oftentimes, because standardized tests are what they are, like, homework is just another way to squeeze in some more memorization yeah. more yeah. school more or yeah. whatever that is right the, yeah. more road learning that yeah. will just get regurgitated somewhere yeah that's probably true I was going to say there's only two types of people in this world <laughs> there's cops and there's robbers and if you're not a cop you're a robber and if you're not a <laughs> robber you're a cop so you're going to decide who you're going to be if you're not yeah if you're not a cop then you're under threat of arrest that's that's our society right like i mean you're like you know your student loans that's you under the threat of arrest you know whatever your debts your uh your the history that you are thrust inside of under arrest a potential state of arrest yeah i mean cops are robbers and uh it shouldn't be that way because robbing shouldn't be a big deal should be a crime. There's lots of people who should be stolen from right now. You know? Yeah. Because personal property shouldn't be a thing. Because in a truly equitable world, it wouldn't be necessary to like have to hold, own something and hold on to it because like it guarantees your survival or some kind of status or ability, you know? But that's not the world we live in. That's not? Papa! Either you're a cop or you're a robber. Papa, are you a cop or a robber? The sooner you learn that at school, the better. Papa, why do you have a badge and a gun? (laughs) Because I'm a cop. I'm a fucking cop. And you're under arrest. All fathers are cops and all sons. Sons are robbers. No. 
Unless they have a sibling. Yeah, sons of cops too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sons and dads are cops, both cops. Men are cops. <laughs> women are from Venus. <laughs> Men are cops, women. Yeah. Have you considered alternative education? Are you gonna give me drugs? No. <laughs> You're trying to sell me drugs. As someone who, you know, Got eight, uh, got oh, yeah. nine plus years of alternative education. What does that actually mean, though? Is it, it means I paid a lot of money to go to school. But is the, did they do some cool stuff? Did they, yeah. like, there's some, you know, they did you good? Do you feel like they did you good? Learned about the Old Testament. I know everything about Greek mythology. I know how to knit and sew. I could make a spoon out of wood. So is it like, you're saying it's like, School, but with weird electives <laughs> that you don't get to pick. Yeah, like, sort of. It was a more holistic thing. And then, That's like, good. there's all the weird connections in between all of those all along the way, you know? Yeah. That I we, do. like, and the, that kind of thinking is something that we fetishize now as post-grad, like, intellectuals. Is like, oh, yes, abstract thinking. Like, what if... That's what this whole pod, fucking podcast is. Oh, shit! Like, what if Greek mythology is also how the social dynamics of a college party, you know, like, what is, like that is the whole... Yeah, I heard that episode. That's the whole thing. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, but that was what the school was about, basically. Was that, like, if you attack learning holistically, you might arrive at, like, a more satisfying and gratifying and potentially more useful kind of knowledge than just learning all your things and then moving on and learning all the things. That's awesome. No, that's, yeah. that's great. I, I did, uh, my, my elementary school was multi-age. Oh, per in each class? Yeah. It was, uh, so the first one was kindergarten to third grade. Mm. Big class. Mm -hmm. And the other one was fourth and fifth. And sixth grade was just sixth grade. Uh, but the two multi-age, they both had a really interesting structure where it was kind of like, uh, Maybe this is just how school is. <laughs> no, 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 no. Multi-age is distinct. It was like you had things you had to get done in the day. So it was like, oh, do the math. It's these pages. Uh, do this writing thing. And then like, you know, those those were the two things. And then we had to, we'll meet back at these times or whatever. Right, to go over or yeah. ask questions. Or... Right. And then there's people that you could give you help and they're in the room. And then other than that, you can just kind of do whatever you want. So like... It's kind of like Montessori. Is that what they do? Really? Yeah. Nice. Not in offense, but generally, yeah, it's more open-ended like right. that. I, I mean, now I have such a great appreciation for it, because I'm like, how the fuck did I lose the skill of knowing that I should do my math homework first in the morning, right, and so then, I could draw yeah, for day. six hours? That's what I would do. Yeah. I would do it, and then I would draw literally all the time at school. Right. And then now I just look back and I'm like, why the fuck did I not keep that How ability? Did I that? <laughs> the ability to like the next, literally the next year, forgot yeah, that. Right, and yeah. I think the design. I that's what a great admiration for how they tried to run it. I don't know how they do it anymore. Typically, schools do that now to save money. Oh God! You have to pay one less teacher. If you have two, like a teacher and an aide, or two teachers in the classroom, mm -hmm. to cover three grades. Just one less teacher you have to pay. Dude, you just blew my mind. Yeah. That makes Usually that's why they do it now. Ugh. But it is an interesting experiment, right? Because yeah. then you're also in a classroom with 
people older than you, younger than you. Yeah. You know, which is an interesting experience. Which is great, right? Yeah. Like, Especially if you're not getting it at home, or not as much. Mm-hmm. person can do unless you want to homeschool and that's its own other weird problem once uh, society collapses there'll be more opportunities to try homeschool yeah oh you know on Mars everyone's going to be homeschooled <laughs> and it's going to be really weird it's going to make some weird kids Everyone on Mars is going to be mining rocks. That's true. They're not going to receive an education. You don't even know. They'll be child labor. They'll be child labor on Mars, right? Hey, man, it's a free it's market. It's legal. It's legal, right? That kid just needs to increase his, uh, what do they call it? His value station statement. <laughs> value statement. Right. Like so that he can receive thing. schooling. Um, on Mars... They should have a school. They will have maybe maybe it'll be good because you'll have to learn all this cool science stuff. On Mars, there is a school. It's already there. There is a school. Oh my god! It's already been built. This is like the dark side of the moon. The reason why it's so funny when Elon Musk is asked all these interviews about like Mars and like oh he's like well if you sign up first you'll definitely die. It's because he's already got people up there who are already dying. Because <laughs> he's, he's got his fucking school. He did it in secret. That's why... His, yeah. mi- his mining school. They're just digging tunnels up on Mars. They're not digging tunnels. They're practicing digging tunnels on Mars. So you can dig tunnels down here. Elon Musk is a frivolous person. He is. With a lot of money. Yeah, you have to listen to every stupid thing he says. Yeah. Wish I invented PayPal or like knew the guy who invented PayPal. <laughs> like whatever. Is that, is that what he did? Was. He knew the guy. I don't even know if he had anything to do with it or if he had just invested money early on. I'm not sure. Did you see that? Uh, there was a Ken Bauman tweet about how the biggest animal. Is a hippo, I think. Wait, is the biggest animal hippo? It doesn't matter. He was ta- he's made a no, comparison. Certainly not the biggest land animal. The biggest land animal, no. It'd be the elephant. Okay, yes. <laughs> the biggest animal is something. Yeah. I think it's an elephant, and it's this amount bigger than the smallest animal. You know, like a thousand or something. Did he give a percentage or like a ratio? Yeah, there's like a number. Percent okay. Like a number, and then the richest person on earth has this much money and then the poorest person conceivably has one dollar right uh, and he was saying that his conclusion this little like aphorism or whatever right. was that you know let's say that the richest person can only have as much as the biggest animal and it's like that's that's exactly like three million dollars and it's like wow that's, that's little, pretty great that's <laughs> that's the like, yeah that's a great life that's right? a great ca- well that's like when people talk about uh, what is that called capping income 
that's usually how much it is. Probably less than that. But that was an interesting thing. He's like, let's look at... Well, taxes should do that. Smallest animal. Taxes oh, yeah. should achieve some amount of that. But people don't pay their taxes. Taxes should redistribute wealth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The purest version, right? It's just like, we're just going to give these people money. Like, this is not free. This is yeah. going back. Maybe you think America was too big of a country to do oh, yeah. the things that it wanted to do. I think about do. that all the time. Too big. Like if it was just like and if I it don't was even Swedish know. Side, I don't even side. know like why we had to, like why why did we do the the Louisiana Purchase? What real reason? Were we running out of resources? <laughs> Did we need, like, were we running out of money? Like, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of, like, there's probably, like, the military economic reason of, like, access to the Gulf of Mexico. Were we still worried about Mexico? I guess there was all those threats of them. Even during the Revolutionary War, I think there was some thought of, like, Mexico Dude, choosing a side. I think it's like you play the Game of Thrones. You gotta play the Game of Thrones all the way. You gotta, like, secure your borders. Like, what if we were in Mexico right now? That'd be pretty bad. I mean, we would be. We if, would be pretty bad? We would be in Mexico, is what I'm saying. Oh, we're we would? South, oh, we're oh, oh, oh. I thought you were, okay, I don't know. I thought you were like, 2018, what if we were in Mexico right <laughs> now having this conversation? No, I mean... Yeah, we are severely limited. Stupid and big. Like our... Like we invented our representational government. Like we chose our model when we only had like 13 colonies, <laughs> you know? We had like 13 states, and we're like, yeah, we'll just send a dude, we'll have two dudes, we'll send one dude, and then we'll have another <laughs> dude who like, is always there or whatever, yeah. you know? and they'll, they'll vote, and that's the whole thing, and we'll just elect those dudes by, uh, you know, popular vote, mm-hmm. and that'll be fine. And then we're like, what if, but what if we added 50 more states, See, and about like, but hundreds of thousands of <laughs> more square yeah. miles, and millions of more people. Oh my god, yeah. And this is how people become states' rights people. Yeah, because that's certainly easier to manage. And, well... But states' rights works, is like a euphemism. It works more... Like, a state government works more like how normal government used to work. Yeah. But it is like a euphemism. A states' rights is a dog whistle. <laughs> there you go. Really. Right. For other things. For being a libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, I don't know. Or like justifying whatever your awful thing is. Oh, it's yeah. Like, oh, it's states' rights. Oh, it's like, yeah. no, you just want to kill people with your guns. We, or like, yeah. You just hate black people. Or mm-hmm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't want black people to vote. Whatever. Prop 8 was only how long ago? Yeah. What was that? That's a. I that, didn't know anything about that's that. The, that's the, that the one of the most whack experiences was, I remember when that happened. Yeah. But then reading uh, the Argonauts and she, you know, has a significant yes. chunk of the book is set in the shadow of that happening. Mm-hmm. Like she had describes how they got married. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, wow, I forgot. Yeah, right? I forgot that this I was a bad forget. thing that was going on. Paid for by the Mormon church. And primarily. Did it pass or it was close to passing? It did. It did pass. It did pass the first time. And then, it, and then it did not get passed. Yeah. And that was only what? That was t- what year was that? Mm. Hey Siri. I shouldn't talk to Siri. <laughs> oh wait, you shouldn't talk to Siri. I shouldn't. Talk I was to gonna Siri. say I think Google might know. You can talk to Google. I can ask Google.
When was Prop 8? Here's a summary from Ballotpedia. Marriage was a constitutionally protected right in California. A majority of the justices of the California Supreme Court affirmed this understanding of the Constitution in May 2008. 2008? Yeah. Do you think about going, moving to another country? Being in another country? Uh, no, uh, no. Not like, I don't mean like, any plan. Like practically? Or do you like just any, like think about it? In practical sense? Or, or you're uh, just like, fuck, I wish. Yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> yeah. I thought about it moving to Europe. Right. What that would be like. I would probably move, well, I, before Brexit, I probably would have moved somewhere in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Post-Brexit. Uh... Well, but there's England nowhere, is interesting. There's nowhere in Europe that's untouched by uh, nationalism and yeah. economic strife. Except, like, the Aryan parts of Europe. Mm-hmm. The white parts. I don't know why in my head, though, I do, I do imagine England as... Well, at least, like, the Labour Party, I do imagine them as being a successful potential... God, you would think, Thing. because it's existed for a long time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a pretty old political party, right? Well, yeah, you can you can say, like, we you can say workers' rights without being, or whatever, shouted out or receiving death threats. Right. Like in America. Right. It's like a viable option. You know, there are multiple people in parliament or whatever who consider that their, mm-hmm. their party or whatever. I think, uh, I mean, it's all branding, right? It's all marketing. Like, at some point, we determined that socialism and communism and all of those words were, like, no-go areas that we wouldn't touch because they were the bad guys used those words. Yeah. All it is, I mean, it only took, like, well, I guess World War Two. the Nazis called them socialists, and that was probably a big blow to right. the whole <laughs> enterprise. Even though, like, Communists were, you know, uh, the street fighting between the two was a real thing. Right. At least for years before they became a political party. Right. The fascist. But, yeah, so it's only like, what is it really? It's like, well, I guess approaching now, like 100 years of like socialism being this enemy yeah. to democracy. Yeah. Instead of like just another way of organizing democracy. Yeah, like just another expression of yeah. democracy. I do think that there are ideologies that are obviously there are ideologies that are like not uh, antagonistic to democracy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know if socialism is one of them. I don't know. Like a theocracy. Yeah, right? It's the opposite. Yeah, I mean, uh, the issues we found with those in the past were, like, examples of, like, oligarchies, where, like, authoritarian power, like, even though things were being redistributed or whatever, there were still people on the top who were in charge and benefiting Mm -hmm. the most or whatever. And then when they decided that they didn't want to be voted out, that they were just going to be in charge forever. Yeah. You know. 
also like yeah you're to have a a party I think is like it's beneficial in the sense of organizing people but there's a lot of negatives because yeah. really you should just have like ideals or like guiding principles or whatever mm -hmm. that justify your actions rather than like no this is my team yeah tribalism or whatever is the the buzzword people don't like yeah i would imagine living in scotland scotland or spain Well, they have for most of history. That's true. Most of history, right. Spain had, had a hard time. They didn't shake their dictators until like yeah. whatever. They've also been occupied by like foreign forces multiple times throughout yeah, their history. Did, you know, yeah. like, which has made them more culturally <clears> relevant, <throat> but poli politically and economically weak. Right. Yeah. So tech, I don't know. It's exhausting to talk about America's problems. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're many. But and they feel insurmountable. They feel insurmountable. But that's I think I just realized this maybe that they feel insurmountable when you frame them in terms of like these institutions. Obviously, like you know, we just listen to this talking about news. News is very fucked. It's a big organ. It's fucked. Uh, you can, t you can think of ways about all the organs of the big organs are messed up. But, like, that's not the limit of political action. Or right. Even well, also, it's like... things that create change or improve people's lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it would be great if we... if It would be easy. It would be much easier. It would be efficient, right? If we lived in, in a country that believed that you can just extract a percentage of income and just use it to create things that we all would like right right Road it'd be great if we believed in that trains it'd yeah. be great if we if we had the organs do that it'd be quick it would maximize right like our collective energy we don't have that but we still there are still ways to make things for people that are collectively good or collectively beneficial they just don't have anything to do with these things that we're talking about that are all fucked yeah. And even even education, which, you know, I went on my thing about it, like I do have this feeling though that the policing thing sucks because I have to I, I there's this moment where I'm just seeing the kids who I know intimately now as just like these bodies that need to be like put in the right in place in boxes yeah. and not, you know what I mean? Not out of sight and all these types of stuff. But then there's also the interaction of like them telling me a, a pun you know, a joke that's, like, not funny, but right, it's... Right, but it's funny to them. It's funny, yeah. That, yeah. Or stuff like that, like, the human interaction. Um, you know, and that's that's tangled up in that, yeah. in that nasty... Nasty. Cancerous organ. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, the positive takeaway I have is that, like, so far, as corrupt or broken or, like... It seems like working the wrong way many institutional things are they still are dependent to some great extent on people participating yeah, in them absolutely so like <clears throat> we still have some control it's like, true. you know 
We're still driving the bus yeah. to some extent. They might have stopped building the road, but we're still <laughs> driving the bus. That's good. We should end it there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>